Decidedly Dry. I'm your host, Jess Steitzer. This is a sober podcast where we actually focus on the good. Amazing, right? We spark inspiration. We try to provide some hope and we help motivate you. I promise to always keep it real, provide some dry humor, and remind you every single episode why sobriety is truly a superpower. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, just head on over to decidedlydry.com. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's get started. You guys, hello and welcome back to the show. And if I have not mentioned it lately, I really, really appreciate you clicking play on this episode. Speaking of this episode, my oh my, are you in for a treat. Today, I have the absolute honor of interviewing my dear, sweet Oregon sister, Michelle Smith. Michelle is a total rock star in the sobriety world. In fact, you might know her a little bit better as Recovery is the New Black. I feel so privileged to know her and honestly to have her as a friend. Over the past couple of years, she's been one of the most encouraging, motivating cheerleaders when it comes to literally anything I'm creating and or doing, and I just simply adore her. You guys are going to absolutely love this episode, and I really look forward to hearing your takeaways. Here's Michelle. Well, hello, everybody. This is Jess at Decidedly Dry. Today, I have an amazing guest for you. It is my sweet, sober sister, Michelle Smith. Hi, Michelle. Hello. It's good to see you. It's so good to see you. I am just thrilled to have you here. Um, For those of you that don't know Michelle, she is also known as Recovery is the New Black on Instagram. And I mean, you're my Pacific Northwest twin. Absolutely. Representing (laughs) Oregon all the way. (laughs) I love it. Well, for those of you that happen to not know you, do you mind doing just kind of a brief intro telling people who you are, if you have kids, where you live, even though we already kind of touched on that, um, and what you like to do for fun? Yes. Uh, So I am Michelle Smith. I am a mom of two. I have a nine-year-old boy and a 12-year-old girl. Again, I live in the Pacific Northwest. Married my high school sweetheart. We've been together, geez, like 26 years, I think. It's been a really long time. Yeah. Um, I'm a military wife, veteran wife, and, you know, what I do for fun. You know, it really changes. This question is really interesting. It's one of those awkward conversations sometimes we have with people we hadn't seen in a long time. Like, um, I'm a mom and I work full time. (laughs) (laughs) What's so exciting about your life? No, but- you know, I think fun for me, it like it's seasons, right? So what I've done for fun in the past might not necessarily be fun to me anymore, or it's just something I haven't done for a while. And so fun for me is like trying to establish joyful moments and feeling full from what I'm doing. So if I'm going to go to a concert, you know, that fills my soul. I love concerts. I love like looking for seasonal activities in our area and just making it fun, being outdoors when we can, you know, have that picnic, do that hike. It's so good for my soul that I'm really trying to find that balance between family fun and sober sister fun where I can just 
be my authentic self and not have to worry about booze being in the conversation or if it's going to come up. Um, so, you know, so just having a clear mind and waking up, like it's just, that's just a joy in itself to me, really. It's that's crazy. so true. That's so true. And do you think that you have found more joy? And I mean, I kind of know the answer to this, but I mean, the fun things that you get to do, were these fun things that you did before getting sober? Some of them were, I had a fear of, I can never go fishing or camping without alcohol because I associated it together. And it was never about the activity. It was the booze. It was this artificial substance that pretended like it was different and it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so I've done, I've challenged myself to do everything that I feared the most because it was associated with alcohol and you better believe it. It was way more fun. I actually got to participate and be present and not fall and not wait until my hung, you know, my hangover wore off. I was up with the birds, the <laughs> hollering, remembering everything. So absolutely. It's better personally for so me. Good. Such a good reminder. Cause that is so true. I think when people are in early sobriety, they're like, so scared to do the things that they did, you know, that were paired with alcohol. And let's face it, everything seems to be drilled into our head that it has to be with alcohol. So that's such a good reminder that, hey, you can still do those things and they're actually more fun. <laughs> so, Absolutely. I love that. Well, let's do kind of a little summary of your history with alcohol, just for people that don't know it. I mean, when you started, when you started to see the flags and maybe how you removed alcohol. Yeah. So, you know, I really, I had this predisposition. I knew that I had a long family history of alcoholism. And so I was really mindful of that. And I stayed away from booze until I really became a mother. And at that time, I had just a lot of transition in my life. It got really heavy, really messy and chaotic, very quick, became a new mom. As I lost my mom, my husband deployed to war. I started having health issues and it just got to be a lot. And I didn't, I didn't know, and I didn't feel comfortable asking for help. And so, you know, what that looked like was connection was very minimal. Confidence was down. Depression was present, but I didn't know it was postpartum depression. And so I just looked for camaraderie and friendship where I could find it. And again, like you said, everything was revolving around alcohol. And I finally just said, I'm going to take that drink. I'm going to have that glass of wine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we know, it's a very slow and steady process. There were warning signs along the way of headaches enough to tell you you're dehydrated. You know, I really don't want to go to work. You know, obviously in hindsight, the writing's on the wall, but I started to gain and reap the benefits of what alcohol was providing in that moment, which is like, I can deal with the hangover because I got to rewind, reward, relax for a couple of hours. And so I would weigh that and I would just default to the alcohol was winning until it became a physical dependence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. And did you feel that all the mothers that you were friends with were doing the same thing? Or did you feel like you were drinking differently? Um, it's a great question. You know, the majority of the people that I was associating with were drinking what I would say from the outside looking in as normal drinking, right? Mm -hmm. It was it was appropriate, so to speak, for what we normalize as appropriate drinking in this culture. 
but people don't see the other side, right? They, they thought I was fine until I would leave the bar or happy hour. And so of course, birds of a feather flock together. So if the further along I got in abusing alcohol, the more I was just spending time with people who were also doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So of course, if I'm doing it and they're doing it, who is going to police us or say that we're bad or we need to stop because that's going to be weird. Yeah. A hundred (laughs) percent. And nobody sees the way that we drink when we get home, you know, like we go out, we have a couple glasses, love you, bye. And then we're picking up that bottle of wine on the way home, or we know what we're going home to. And that's when, for me, at least the flag started coming up. I was like, gosh, are other people finishing that bottle of wine, you know, waking up on the couch because they were just so tired. Totally did that in quotes because <laughs> it wasn't exhaustion. I mean, it was part exhaustion, but, you know, we're passing out on the couch and then we're doing it the next day. Right. You're right. It's just so. it's insanity. And it's just it's so hard to explain to somebody because you never think that's going to happen to you. And the cool thing is, is conversations like we're having can allow somebody to say, Oh, that's, that's true. I should listen to the warning signs that my body's telling me that they don't like this poison that they're having to work extra hard at Mm -hmm. fighting for me because I'm not being kind to my body. Right. Just questioning our relationship with alcohol as like we're doing publicly is kind of a cool thing. Now we were Mm -hmm. sitting on the couch thinking we were the only ones that was sick and shaming ourselves for being a bad mom there's so many of us that are doing this and just having those conversations allows people to explore their relationship and whether or not they want to do something with alcohol way sooner than maybe you or I did, which I think is absolutely amazing. And for me, I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way, but that was my worst fear was I didn't want to have the conversation because my worst fear was to be judged as a mom, like to be called a bad mom. Like, I don't care if I'm bad at my job. I hope my boss would never hear that, but (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, you know, bad at a hobby, bad at something, blah, 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 but bad at parenting. Like that to me would be the worst thing that could possibly happen. And so I think a lot of us, we stay small, we stay quiet, you know, because if we fail as mothers, like, I don't know. I think that would be the biggest failure of my life. Well, that's our identity. We Mm -hmm. are vicariously living through our children when we become new moms and we give everything to our children. And it's like our friendships are circled around that. Our meals, our sleeping habits and routines, Mm -hmm. our daycare schedules. And so it's like, of course, that I, if I'm failing, quote unquote, or I'm doing something wrong, I can't just pull back and say, well, I'm making a really bad decision, but the decisions that I'm making is only when I'm under the influence of alcohol. Right. So instead of feeling and leaning into that guilt that's associated with my increase in drinking patterns, I'm shaming myself and saying, I am a bad mom. I am Mm -hmm. the mistake versus pulling ourselves back. And I would have been like, Jess, like, no, you're drinking a little bit too much. You're not a bad mom. Or why don't you slow down until the kids go to bed or whatever. Right. Right. But it's like, you're not a bad person, but we internalize it and shame and self-sabotage ourselves. but we would never do it to somebody else that we cared about. Never. No. You know, and, it, and it's so hard because everywhere you turn, 
you feel like, you know, the mommy wine culture, you know, let's dive into that. I mean, it's reminding us daily that it's okay to have it. You know, we've got this huge target on our back and I'd love for you to dive into that and just, you know, why, why the moms, why did the moms get the target? Why are they after us? What are, what are your thoughts kind of on that? I personally believe that big alcohol saw an opportunity, a gold mine, really for a big population of underserved, vulnerable women. Mm -hmm. And they had, you know, captured the beer drinkers with NFL and the scotch drinkers over here. And what better way than to tap in with some cute, you know, skinny cupcake, low calories, you know, organic Mm -hmm. wine and make it pretty and fancy and just really say, here is a bottle of poison wrapped beautifully in a, in a, in a wonderful package on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to become a coping tool and it's going to become a coping tool really quick. When you notice that there's not enough time in the day to be a mom, have a career, you know, do the things that we need to do to keep our partners and our house happy and satisfied. Our bandwidth is only so big And I really noticed that, you know, I think so much of us moms and women have this like expectation. Nobody's really instilled this in us, but we are expected to continue on mothering and showing up in the world like our moms and grandmas did. Exactly. The world was so different and what they were expected to do versus this generation of moms is so, it's not even comparable Mm-mm. And so once I just sat down and said, okay, I'm only one human being. This is, if I can function and keep up with everything, but my mental health and my addiction is taking a toll, like I have to do that stuff in order to keep up this lifestyle. Who am I fooling and how is this serving anybody? Right. And so I really believe that's where a lot of the mommy wine juice culture came from was this idea that these people are our next market, Mm -hmm. right? But if you think about it, mommy doesn't need anything. And this was a big turning point for me. What mommy needed, if we're going to talk about mothering and needing this particular toxic tool to be able to parent your children, it's sad to me. Mm -hmm. I had to say, Michelle, why are you drinking because of your kids? Well, Usually when I'm under the influence, they can eat fruit stack snacks unlimited (laughs) on repeat. I'm not showing up. I have lost their respect. They are running the show. I have no boundaries. I'm not consistent. You know what you need, Michelle? You need a parenting class. I had to go and relearn how to parent myself, how to parent my children, how to gain that respect back. And if they're running the show and I'm just like a slave to my really small children, that's ridiculous, Michelle. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard that it's just easier to give in. And so creating those new boundaries for moms, it's really hard, but it pays off in the long run. So when I see, I cringe when I see these women of, oh, it's because I have to spend time with my kids or they're throwing a tantrum. You know how many times I had to leave a full cart at Target with everything in it because I was not going to give in to my child wanting a toy and I wasn't going to go buy a bottle of wine. Mm -hmm. And so it's just really trying to figure out it's a, it's a 
it's a show. You're not drinking because of your kids. That is just what is celebrated, what is encouraged and what we can do to laugh things off. Yep. Yep. It's like the easy button, you know, and it's, it's, it's not solving anything. And Oh my gosh, for everybody that's listening, I think I was just nodding my head the whole time you were talking, Michelle, cuz it's just it's so true. You know, I mean, parenting in itself is so hard. And I think as new moms, like we're just we're not giving ourselves a chance if we don't give sobriety a chance because it is going to make literally everything harder if you are just covering these these chapters with a bottle of wine, you know, I mean, and, and one thing I always love that you mentioned, I always see it kind of pop up in your social media from time to time is the importance of supporting new moms in the right way. Because I think that there's always been kind of that gift basket of wine and, you know, the home cooked meal and all that thinking that we're helping. But I love, love, love when I see your gift baskets that you bring over. Do you mind sharing what you bring to new moms? Yeah. You know, it varies on the person, but I think it's so important to not say you can't drink, but when you're going through different seasons in your life and transitions, it doesn't have to be booze. That's giving a supportive tool to somebody who's in a different season. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I'm showing you love and that I'm here, but I'm not going to contribute to having you numb out because what you're dealing with is different than what you're used to. It's not even good or bad. right? Right. It's just, it's just a different season. And so, you know, I don't know, I, I love gift giving. It's like my love language. And so there's so many things that we can give each other. If you just think outside the box, like what do they love? What do they enjoy? Right. Mm -hmm. And it goes from cooking to self-care to personal development, to non-alcoholic drinks. It's like the things that I, again, I want I would like, I need in order to flourish, those people exist out there too, right? Exactly. So I'm not, you know, I'm not going to contribute to gift giving when it comes to anything that I I believe to be addictive or self-sabotaging, especially knowing that the person may be curious about abstaining from meat or tobacco or Mm -hmm. alcohol or has it, you know, a gambling struggle. Like we just don't know. And I know it's really hard to not offend somebody in this generation. It's really hard to censor yourself. But I think if you just like be mindful that just because I loved alcohol so much, doesn't mean it's so important to everybody else. Right. Right. That's an excellent reminder. Such a good reminder. And I love how you said, you know, just because it's hard. You know, I'm not going to let you numb this out. Like this is an opportunity for growth and to learn, you know, especially those first few weeks as a mom. Like, I mean, it's a blur already (laughs) because you are, you're just learning who you are and who this new, new baby is. Yep. And Um, we're not going to co-sign on unhealthy habits. Like I'd rather have people be upset with me because I'm like, I love you. And I know I've been there and I shouldn't you know, chime in or judge or reach out, but I love you enough that you can say I'm fine and brush me off and to mind my own business. But for me not to say something would have, it would have been huge for different people to come up to me and say, Michelle, I love you too much to not share what I see with exactly. you. Right. And so it's like, I just can't live with myself knowing that Um, there's too many people dying and getting, you know, people dying from overdose and suicide and 
these these addictions you know and some people just can't be stopped and that's okay we can't dedicate our lives completely to that and so we have to do what we feels right but it goes so far by just reaching out um mm-hmm. to somebody who feels completely alone yep and let's face it those first few weeks you know what is the most beneficial like the thing that i would want the most is for you to come over and just sit with me <laughs> hold the baby while i go take a nap hold the baby while i take a shower like those things are what we need as mothers in those first few weeks. We don't need a substance that's going to make us feel like crap in the morning. We just we just need help. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you don't know what to ask somebody or we don't know how to ask for help, it's like when I know what I need, I'm going to I'm going to work on delegating and asking for what I need, but right now I just don't know. And sometimes being that great friend that we've had kids you go upstairs and take a shower. I have coffee and I'm going to go change the diaper and go play with the kids. See you later. Like don't yeah. give them a choice. If you love them and you can play that hard love with them. Cause we're stubborn moms, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Frantically cleaning the house, like postpartum. Cause your friends are coming over and it's like, nobody cares. And that's yeah. like the moment I wish I could go back and just be like, okay, this is a new chapter. <laughs> it doesn't need to look like Pottery Barn because nobody cares. Nope. And this is not real life. And it's like, what shit show are you trying to put on? You know, it's like, it's just, it is what it is. I'm a new freaking mom. Exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> yep. I saw something and it was like, I feel like it was a text that went viral or something, but it was a friend that texted her friend and it was like, all right, you have three options. You might've seen this too, where it was like, you know, tell me what I can order you from blah, blah, blah restaurant. Tell me what I can pick up at Target for you. Or, you know, I'm coming over and we're hanging out and bringing a board game or something. And just not letting people say no, because we are stubborn. We'll say, we're fine. We got it. I can handle this. Like mom to mom, we know, like, just pick one. (laughs) Let's do this. An indecisive person. So they're just setting themselves up for failure. Like if they just <laughs> give me a couple options, like I give my kids, you have a choice, but you have to choose between this, right? Exactly. Think about it. It's, I didn't see that, that, um, that viral post, which I think is amazing because mm-hmm. when you're a new mom, you have to make 20,000 million decisions every single day. Just right. get me something. If I'm not grateful and I can't eat it or drink it, fine, but your heart was in the right place. You know, it's like moms don't, they can't do it. So just do it for them. They're going to be grateful or it's going to go in the trash. Your heart was there. You did what you needed to do to show up. to And that's all we can do. That's all we can do because the mom brain is real. I mean, those first few weeks, like I, I had a hard time remembering the last day that I showered or which, which boob did I leave off on when I was breastfeeding or, you know what I mean? Like, you don't remember anything. Girl, <laughs> so. Mine was more than weeks. Mine was months. <laughs> Still looking for it. I know. Oh, well, I want to backtrack. One thing that we didn't talk about was, um, was how you got help, how you removed it. I'd love to hear kind of what those tools were when you got sober. Cause I don't even remember how long you've been sober years. I know. Has it been four years, five years more? It's been five and a half. Ah, I love it. Uh, so tell me how you got help. What did you do? Was it you? Did you do AA? Did you do a program? What worked for you? All of it. All of it. All of it. Um, 
you know, I think it's one of those things that I had, you know, the progression, as long as I continue to be in denial and have this ego and be secretive and protect this drug, um, the further I got into that addiction. And so I did it all. I went to inpatient treatment. I had been to AA for multiple years. I had gone to therapy. I had done, you know, mental health, anxiety and depression medication for support. Um, you know, there was so many different treatment modalities I did. And, you know, a lot of people will talk about like, okay, it was this rock bottom moment, or it was this person's conversation. And for me, I think it was just like, it was a lot, it was a collective approach and like ideas of little mini interventions, little epiphanies. And I just, one day I was like, I've been through everything and nothing seems to be sticking or sustainable. We're out of options. Like, what are you going to do, Michelle? And like they say, some people say it's this aha, or I surrendered, or I had this, you know, miracle happen. I simply woke up and just said, today's the day. Hmm. No matter what happens, I will not drink. Nothing requires a drink. And I'm only promising for today. And really what that did was take the ambivalence out of the drinking. It was, I am going to practice complete abstinence so that I don't have to be exhausted by, am I going to drink or am I not going to drink today? Because that mental anguish and that tug of war will always lead me to drinking, whether or not my best of intentions are to not drink in the morning, I, I, I flail back and forth all day long. And so to know that it was not an option and I consider that a non-negotiable, it allowed me more mental capacity and time to focus on what am I going to do instead? And how am I going to sit in this discomfort knowing that I'm upset that I can't, Mm -hmm. right? And so I can feel sorry for myself. I can be sad, but I need to reflect on where this addiction has taken me and that how many times are you going to moderate and convince yourself and lie to yourself that things are ever going to be different, right? Mm -hmm. There's no end point anymore. When you start to see the writing on the wall, you might have a few spurts of, oh, see, I could moderate. It was perfect. I didn't make a fool of myself. Maybe (laughs) I can get the hang of this. Right. And I thought I was going to be that person and it it never worked. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that was big for me. And then it's, it really comes down to if alcohol is not going to be in my life and it's going to be completely removed to begin with. And I know that that sounds really extreme and it might not be able to be doable for some people, but the severity of my alcoholism was so bad that it got to the point of life and death for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, which I hate to say that, but that's my truth. And I wish that there was somebody having that conversation that we're having right now, that maybe it wouldn't have gotten that far, but here we are. And, you know, it's like no paraphernalia in my house, no wine magnets, no special anniversary bottles, no cooking wines, zero proof home. This is my safe space, my sacred space. And if I want this to work, I have to change people, places, and things. And it was hard. And I felt like my life was over. I literally felt like it was social suicide, but I was killing myself anyway. And the moment that I'll end this with is just looking at both of my kids. And I was like, I'm an adult orphan. My family, my parents are both dead. I know what it feels like to not have parents. And I am literally doing the exact same thing and looking at my children and seeing, seeing their faces and seeing me get out of the hospital 
was just, I, I couldn't do it. I, this wasn't about me. This wasn't just hurting me. And I knew that deep in my core, but when you're so addicted to something, you can't, you're not in control. It's like, you're almost taken no. over hostage of like, I don't know how I just got to the liquor store. Like right. that wasn't me who was driving. Like you almost feel possessed. It's so interesting how you can go from, you know, a perception of just quit. Right. Why are these people doing this and destroying their lives? They've got so much to live for mm-hmm. to continuing to be in denial and negotiate with I'm liking this and leaning towards this more to deal with life when it gets really hard and heavy to all of a sudden I can't quit and question because I'm so dependent and addicted to this substance. And it is a really large spectrum. Um, but it's hard when you're in the middle of it, Jess, you know, it is. yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, there's so much I want to respond to that you just said. I mean, I love that you pointed out that you used multiple things. I think we live in such a great time to get sober because there are so many options out there right now, you know? And so that is the beauty that there's no, there's no right or wrong way to do it. I mean, the, the right way is just to put the drink down, but programs and support and all that, there's so many different options out there, which, which makes it easier and it makes it more welcoming. I feel like more comfortable, accessible Accessible is the word. Yes. And you know, I like how you pointed out, you know, we've got one shot at this, <laughs> you know, I mean, we've got this one life and that was so powerful to you or for you to mention, you know, your kids looking at your kids, like I, it's not about me anymore. It's not about me. I am a mother and this is my life. I'm looking at my life right in front of me, you know, and, and I had such a similar moment when, you know, cause I had gone sober for a long time and then I tried moderation, that sneaky devil, you know, sneaking yeah. in. And I had a similar moment where I just, I looked at myself in the mirror. I remember it like it was yesterday, like hands on the counter, hung over, looking at my eyes in the, you know, ref- in my reflection and, and just saying, you're done. You're done. We can't do this anymore. You know? I mean, and it's just this exhausting cycle. And I think once you have, you know, had that kind of spurt or that longer length of sobriety, you know, you want that back. I mean, we want to feel good. It feels good to feel good. (laughs) So why do we keep doing it to ourselves? you know, making ourselves feel like shit and restarting over and over again? So, I mean, I think everybody, whether they like it or not, they have their own rock bottom and it's not the rock bottom that we see in our head or that people show in the movies, you know, but you just have that moment where, like you said, we're done. Yeah. It's like, no why, we, why wait for the, it's not that bad yet, or I'm never going to be like this person in that seat at a recovery meeting. Never say never because never happens. That happened to me and it happened to many people before me and after me is that Mm -hmm. you stay focused on you and why are you escaping your own beautiful life for the bottle? What is so wrong? What can't you fix? What hasn't been healed or brought into attention? And that's the huge piece of mindset and early emotional sobriety. We drink for a reason. Mm -hmm. I don't just pick up something, chug it, try to get drunk and end up in the hospital repeatedly. That's not a quality of life for anybody. <laughs> no. I'm not out at the bars, dancing, cheating, 
This was so private, isolating, depressing, secretive. This was, it was hard to be me. Mm-hmm. It was, I was so sick that I never imagined that that would ever, ever be my reality. And so I encourage people when it becomes, wow, I'm starting to question or somebody's brought this to my attention. It was complete shutdown. I was defensive, mind your own business. Maybe totally. you have a problem and really just lean into that. That's really interesting. Why am I drinking every Friday? Oh, it's payday. Oh, it's because, you know, my boss is in town. It's because of my mother-in-law. Like it's because the stepkids are coming over once a month. Like get curious about what it is that's triggering you. And for me, I was burned out at work and I thought I could never leave my career. Well, Michelle, if you don't leave your career, you're not going to have a career because you're going to be dead. The life will go on without you. And so if you're in a really uncomfortable marriage or you're in a really hard situation with an in-law or your career, what do you have the control over and stop living this mediocre life and numbing the fact that you're going to continue to sit in it miserable, stressed out, exhausted Mm -hmm. and unhappy because you don't feel like you can make a change, right? You have the power. Don't drink your life away or drug your life away. It's too precious. Right. I mean, and don't you just wish you could look back and like contact the old you and just be like, convince me, convince me how this is helping. Please. I'll sit here and wait. Tell me how alcohol is bettering your day, (laughs) making you a better mom, making you more present. Cause I'll wait. I'll wait for you to give me those reasons. (laughs) It's just not going to (laughs) happen. I mean, everybody in, in looking back and like really doing inventory and stuff, it's like so many people tried in their own way. And what mm-hmm. I want to do is say, but if you would have done it like this, it would have clicked. Or if you wouldn't have been so mean, I wouldn't have shut down. And it's like, they're doing what they can to reach out and be a voice because they loved me enough to right. want to save my life when I didn't want to. And that's the thing, that defense and that security blanket of my life revolves around alcohol. I can't imagine my life without it is enough reason to get curious about your life. Because do you do that with chocolate chip cookies or, you know, whatever else that we really enjoy? If not, maybe it's some form of comfort um, that is starting to become, you know, problematic in your life. 100%. So I, Hunter, I wish I totally could go back, but you know what, Jess, like we wouldn't be where we are today if exactly if, if we would have stopped. Right. And we're both alive when a lot of people aren't to be able to just share the message. I don't care, honestly, if people drink or if they don't drink, I just want people to know that if they start to believe that they're becoming a little bit more dependent, that it's okay to get curious and that we are here and that sobriety people do exist and are very powerful, educated we can do really hard things, right? There is no such thing as an emotional broken home. And you only, you're only set up to be an addict or an alcoholic or abuse alcohol. If this is the life you had or the upbringing of a childhood, it needs to Mm -hmm. be this traumatic thing. And you and I had some relatively decent childhoods. Mm -hmm. We're educated. We come from great family. It doesn't discriminate. Right. Right. And that's it. You know? And that's such a good reminder. I mean, you do you, you know, I am all for that. If you have a good relationship with alcohol, that is you. But 
I do not regret where I came from because it got me to where I am. I mean, we're sitting here having this powerful conversation that someone out there is going to hear and be like, wow, that was me or that is me. I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know that not drinking is a thing, you know, that I don't need it to survive motherhood. I could do this just me as my authentic self and be the best mom that I can be and not miss a beat. Not saying every beat is enjoyable, but I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to look back and be like, wow, I don't really remember being present for the first eight years of my kid's life. That's something you don't get back. Nope. You don't get it back. Pictures and that that's hard. I live that life, Yeah, but it's never, ever too late. Mm -mm. And that's the beauty of it. I have to be reminded of certain events and situations through photographs and it breaks my heart. If it's so special and it was so memorable, why don't I remember it? And why wouldn't I want to remain present for it? And it's such this cultural thing. It's just Mm -hmm. what we do, but I can say this forever. And it's the truth that when you continue to go back to an, an addictive substance, this highly addictive substance, you will become addicted to it. It's a matter of time until you don't have to stop drinking. Like you were just saying, Jess, like, just get curious, just start Mm -hmm. taking some inventory on it. Is it, is it during that payday? Is it during, you know, all these other things that are going on in your life, just collect information. Like you would be doing with like a diet journal. You don't even need to take action. Just start listening to other people's conversations and taking inventory. Look at the people in the restaurants who aren't drinking. Don't just focus on all the people who are, because I guarantee you our minds play tricks on us. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, don't make it weird. Don't make it a big thing. Just start being in, get, collect information, yeah. get informative about what this is doing to my body, to my children, to my partner, to my career, and yeah. just use it as a placeholder and a foundation to decide what happens next. Just observe. I mean, do I want to be the mom hiding behind the kitchen island with her glass of wine watching the kids play? Or do I want to be on the floor building with them and building Legos and just creating these memories? Right. Which one? Right. Which one? Do I want to be the mom on the couch with both arms around our kids or just one because I'm holding my glass of wine with the other? I choose both. Absolutely. Not both options, both kids. <laughs> Let me clarify. <laughs> yes. And the cool thing is, is then you can have a big drink that all three of you can share and you don't yep. have to say mommy's juice or, oh, I'm sorry, that's the adult one. This one's Addie's juice. And it's like, the joy in my kids' heart and eyes when they start, I mean, they still kept asking me for a couple of years. Are you sure mommy, I can drink this? Right. Anything that you have, I have. I'll take the snot, the saliva. I don't even care. I was so (laughs) excited. I was sober. I'm I'm here for it. COVID's changing, but uh, but yeah, I mean, just those talk about small moments and victories. Yeah. Like that was some of mine. Mm -hmm. Totally. Like, it, this is little stuff. This is me waking up and like not having to like not remember what I did and just to check right. the temperature to roll over and see if my husband's pissed at me or not. Or totally, you know, where my money went and you know, your face clears up, your attitude and your outlook. And I think self-awareness has been one of the biggest things for me mm-hmm. is that I get to like really focus on who I'm surrounding myself with. You have inspired me to go as the sun's coming up right now where we live. It's like, I noticed things that I never noticed before. Just the sounds, the smells, the beauty, the, you know, I get to see the sunrise. 
and sunset. I didn't do that when I was drinking, I was hungover and I'd be drunk before it went down. Yeah. I mean, it sounds crazy to people. Like, how do you find so much joy in a hot cup of coffee, watching the sunrise, you sit down, I'll tell you my story and you will see the beauty in it as well. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Sometimes it's like an out of body experience. I mean, you just driving down the road with the windows down, you know, listening to the lyrics and just soaking in a song in the fresh air. And I mean, it sounds corny, but that's a beautiful life. That's a beautiful life to live. It is. And alcohol, that's the thing people forget is that all these mind altering chemicals, they, we want them to just numb and take away the bad, but they don't have the ability to regulate and pick and choose what we want. Mm -hmm. It numbs the good. And so when we start getting, and that's the thing people in early sobriety need to remember is that they give up before they start experiencing the good stuff because they get into this chronic relapse cycle of two, three weeks or days. And it's like, joy. I haven't authentically felt what that feels like for so long. Right. And it's like, it does, it sounds corny, but until you realize and really understand that it did numb both and that you get both. And that is a true blessing that we just have a better way. We have superpowers. Now we're special unicorns that we can like deal with things that are really hard and cruddy and we get through them. <laughs> and we so true. Like, build resilience and confidence and boundaries. And it's like, I can't believe I just stood up for myself because I've been such a small person for so long because I've had to have my tail between my legs because I'm hiding this big thing that I know is going to be revealed. I just don't know when and living in that state of fear and anxiety is exhausting and Mm -hmm. mentally brutal. And to be free of all of that, and yep. do I still want to drink? Absolutely. If I could, I would, hmm. but I can't. And I just remember this is the only thing that Michelle can't do. Yep. And it leaves endless possibilities of everything I can do. And once I took that off the table and got through the woe is me, which I'll have my meltdowns from time to time, I remember how far I've come and that that first drink will get me drunk. Yep. I, I cannot go back. I will not go back. I won't restart. I won't. I can't. It's just not an option. Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, we were touching on the good. We've already made that transition. And I love that you referred to us. What was it? A unicorn? We're like a beautiful, Ah. awesome. (laughs) Because we are. (laughs) Um, But sticking with the good, tell me, tell me what's the most important thing in your life. I mean, I know, I know it's the kids. I know it's the family. It's the health. But what is good right now? Like, what is what just gets you out of bed and excites you right now? Right now, honestly, sobriety gets me excited. Um, knowing that I'm, I'm living honest and authentic. I show up for people every single day. And I think it helps being in, um, you know, having a sense of having, I don't know how to really explain it. Like, you know, not the public eye, but like in the community, like there's this accountability that's been created for me. And it's intentional. It keeps me showing up. It keeps me connected to sober women. It inspires me. I am learning as I am teaching. We're always students and we're always going to be and we need to be teachable. And so for me, it's it's really the simple things. I am learning to minimize. I'm learning to simplify my life and that things don't have to be hard and things really can be easy, even though they're not they haven't always been that way for me. 
Mm-hmm. And so just being of service and, and having a very clear line of what is deflection and trying to fix and be somewhere else. So I don't have to focus on me versus taking the time for me. And I think the mental health aspect, to be completely honest, has been the biggest thing of my focus right now, because I have been pouring into everybody that I see touch here um, for the past three years especially the last two with the pandemic. And, you know, when you are a clinician by day, you're doing, you know, the behind the scenes of recovery is the new black by night. There is not a lot of time to get out of the empathetic, the empathetic type of compassion and trauma and helping other people at a really hard, difficult time in their life and re-regulating and filling my cup and taking time for me. I am I am really honestly right now just starting to process everything that I went through in the pandemic. I'm exhausted. I'm fatigued. Uh, I'm confused about things um, because I just had to soldier up and just keep going. And I know that there is a fine line between me with alcoholism and workaholism and those cross addictions are real. Mm -hmm. Um, And sobriety has given me the awareness and the ability to slow down, to have that self-awareness, to love myself enough that. I can totally do this. And I'm aware of the things that need to be changed so I can continue loving on everybody else as well. Exactly. Exactly. And to have that awareness, like you said, just to be able to not escape it, but to right. deal with it, you can set it aside if life is just crazy because life is crazy, but to know that, okay, I need to work on that. That's sitting there and I see it and I will get to it when I can. Yep. And I also love that you brought up the sober community because it is a magical world and it is a magical place where we get to show up and be inspired. You know, I, I don't, I always stay away from the word influencer. I don't know why I don't like the word influencer. However, I do like that. I have this platform where we get to be of service, you know, even just like on this podcast, you know, it's just one more way to help people. And that's what we love to do in our heart, you know? is to give back and to help. And I don't know about you, but it keeps me sober. I mean, I've got this whole, you know, this whole group of people that I would like to think, or I tell myself that are counting on me to show up too. So that accountability right there has helped me tremendously these past two years. So thank you. Thank you to you and to anybody that's following along, because I think it keeps us going too. 100%. Hundred percent. If this is never over, there's no finish line. It's always going to have to have those re, you know, those booster kind of shots and just like the refresh. And you know, when we start to lag and get complacent during different seasons of our life, is when we need it most. We can, and that's the beauty of everyone having an opportunity to share their experiences and that we're not alone because there's so many cool books and podcasts and you know, seminars and, you know, workbooks and who knows what else it's like, it's limitless. And it's like, if I'm kind of bored with this meeting, I can go join it in person, or I really like Aussie accent. So I'm going to go hop on to an Australian zoom meeting and go talk to some hot dudes. Like, you know, it's like, whatevs. I think that stuff's rad. I'm like, you know, like we have, we can come up with so many different barriers for why we can't do things. And it's like, oh, I can't get to a meeting. I, you know, I don't have daycare. I don't have transportation. I don't have money. And that's a mindset block and an objection. That's like, how much are you spending in booze? My friend, Uh huh. like 
okay, we're not there yet, clearly. So that's okay. Keep listening to things that are going to fill your mind and your head and your heart with sobriety. And maybe it's good. Well, it won't, maybe it will. Mm -hmm. The shift will happen. It'll happen. Listening, keep going. Once you know that this is, this is an issue that needs some attention, you become, you become unstoppable. Mm -hmm. So, and a new shift, just, just to let you know of like things that like are really exciting me. And when I put some more thought into it is changing the narrative on when I first kind of started recovery as a new block, it was a lot about, um, you know, obviously normalizing sobriety and having this safe and sacred space for people to come and talk about similarities within their relationship with alcohol. And, you know, I've always focused on, I really want to normalize it. And it's more like, I want people to understand us. I want them to not discriminate and to end stigma and, and, you know, improve awareness, um, talk about prevention because it is important. And a shift I'm making is I'm not going to wait for people to love and accept me. It's that's up to them, right? What I'm going to do is focus my energy on empowering women to feel confident and excited about being a non-drinker that I'm done doing rehearsals and refusal skills and pretending and lying to my friends about why I don't drink. I'm going to sit at that table. I'm going to be a non-drinker. And if that makes other people feel uncomfortable, I can't own that. I can't carry that as long as I'm authentic and not disrespectful or shaming of people who do drink. I earn that seat. I'm proud of myself and I'm going to be confident. I'm not going to wait for somebody's acceptance of me in order to improve my confidence because that is self-esteem, not self-worth. And my self-worth is built internally. And no matter what somebody says or what me might say or see what joke I hear It's not, it's, it's not going to hurt me the way that it did before. Mm -mm. So let's build resilience. Let's build confidence in these women to say, I'm a non-drinker, non-smoker, non-meat eater, whatever else I'm here. And I love you. And let's do this. This is me. This is me. Don't make it weird. Don't make it weird. Like there's too much shaming around yourself of how you can't show up. And the thing I notice a lot is that people who are more in depth of knowing that this is an addiction, it is harder to do that because there is this back and forth power struggle where I have to change. And so it's not like, oh, just support me. I'm confident I'm going on a weight loss journey. It's I don't want to stop, but I have to stop. And I don't want you to be accountable for me or police me. Because if I tell you I stop and then I don't, it's confusing. And there's mm-hmm. all these things that your mind goes through. And that's why we don't feel confident is because we're not there quite yet. So we have to do what's best for us. But that's a, that's a shift that I'm making working with women um, is just to learn to empower who they are and to build the story of redemption and resilience that this is, this is going to be way more monumental in your life than you think is a consequence and a punishment. Um, so just viewing it from a different perspective and really getting excited about this um, has been really cool to watch some of the ladies that uh, I've been surrounding myself with. I could not love that more. I mean, you're just, you're preparing them and getting them ready for this amazing transformation you know, that they get to experience and own, you know, 
This is this is a brand new me or this was this is the me that's been waiting to come out. You know, here I am and to own it and to just walk it. So, oh, that makes me really excited. I'm excited to watch. <laughs> yes. OK, well, we are coming to the end. I could talk to you for days, my sweet friend. Um, yes, of but- course. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And we will. <laughs> we will. Um, but I would love to end just with some some advice or some words or a tool or just something that you could leave someone with if they're thinking, okay, I think I'm ready. Like maybe just some words or a tool that you would leave them with. Oh, I'm a, I'm a man or I'm a woman of a lot of words, girl. <laughs> um, I would say keep getting curious. Like don't give up before the miracle happens. You know, if you're asking yourself, if you have an issue with alcohol, lean into that. Don't ask other people, especially drinking friends. If there's a curiosity that sparks within your soul, roll roll with it, ride it out and just keep getting information. That's, that's a big piece. And you are not alone. No. I really, really love that you said, don't ask your drinking friend (laughs) because they will tell you you deserve it and they will keep you in that cycle. That is so important that you mentioned that because you know yourself, you need to trust your gut and get curious. Amen, sister. There's a reason you're listening to this show, right? There's a reason you're following us. Listen to it. (laughs) So I love you. Thank you so much for being here, Michelle. How can people get in contact with you? I'll, I'll put your info in the notes, but if you want to give them a little info on how they can reach you, please do. Yes, absolutely. And I love you to pieces and you are just so incredible. And I am inspired by you as well, my friend. Um, big things for you as well. Um, so Recovery is the New Black. That's my website and that's my handle on social media platforms. And you know, doing a lot this year, you know, a lot of speaking opportunities nationally and some books, some programs, lots of really, really cool things to help even better serve the people who need to hear the message and who need the support um, that sobriety is a pretty rad thing and it opens up to amazing possibilities. So keep going, stay curious and stay connected are my words of advice for all of you listening. Um, And thank you for being here. Become the unicorn, right? Yes. (laughs) Who doesn't want to be a unicorn? Catching t-shirts, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right, my friend, we'll have a wonderful day and thank you again for being here. Thank you, Jess. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, you can head over to decidedlydry.com. If you enjoy the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe and to leave an awesome rating or review over on Apple Podcasts. It's sure been a treat spending this time with you. And just remember, if the only thing you did today was stay sober, you are winning. I'll see you next time.